Welcome to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. This podcast delivers insights on medical device packaging from regulatory affairs, process management, as well as discussions on the latest in sterile device packaging technologies. Each episode, our host, Charlie Webb, speaks with global experts to bring the most relevant information to our esteemed listeners. As sterile packaging compliance becomes increasingly more challenging, it is vital to avoid information gaps that could risk your medical device packaging program. Avoid package failure risks and build your skill set from your colleagues' experience and from insights from sterile device packaging subject matter experts. This is Charlie Webb, and you're listening to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, Spod Radio. Well, I know you haven't heard from me in a little while after the MDM trade show. I just got buried with work. Gosh, it seems like every time I turn on my computer, I look at all the meetings in my calendar. I mean, some of these, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but I'm looking at meetings that I have no recollection of ever accepting. <laughs> Somehow I'm in these things and I'm like, I'm not even sure what the meeting's about, frankly. So I got buried with all of that. And then we're doing a new podcast too. Not replacing Spot Radio. Heck no, we'll be here as usual. We're about a week behind schedule or two maybe, but um, no, Spot Radio will continue. But we're adding a new podcast called the Sterile Aware Podcast, which is something that I hope you'll all check out. Uh, brand new, talking about healthcare acquired infections, hospital associated infections, HAIs, whatever you like to call them. That's going to be cool. It's a fun project. I'm looking forward to it. As many of you know, Spot Radio ain't my day gig. I have a real job. So Sometimes I get dragged into um, all the work that I have to do. And as I say, after the MD&M, gosh, it just got so crazy. So many things. All, yeah, good stuff, but very busy nonetheless. But one of the great opportunities I had when I was at the MD&M in February, I was asked by the IOPP's Medical Device Packaging Technical Committee if I would talk a little bit about packaging machinery for the Fundamentals in Medical Device Packaging course, which is a fantastic course. So I got to stand up there and uh, yap about the different components of a medical device packaging machine, the different types of uh, packaging equipment for packaging a sterile device, and then even segued into things like how to maintain the equipment and the importance of those maintenance PM cycles. So yeah, it was a fun course. It was really great. In fact, I couldn't have done it if I didn't bring in one of our employees who's fantastic, uh, Sarah Deputy. She is one of our main techs in our laboratory. That girl can fix anything. She is an amazing person. She's a Six Sigma black belt, and she just runs around and just makes magic at our 17025 laboratory down in Redlands, California. So I had her come in and help, you know, with kind of the show and tell part of that course. And she did a fantastic job. So I wanted to kind of bring her in here so she could get a little bit of a spotlight on her and talk about her experience with that course. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me here. As I mentioned earlier on, Sarah was with me and we stood before all these eager students wanting to learn about medical device packaging. So we brought up one of our kind of vanilla machines and we opened it up. What was the most sort of salient point that the people were asking questions? After I did my little spiel, I had to get back down to another meeting. So I left you sort of alone there. I don't think we ever actually caught up from that point. So what was the most sort of inquisitive piece from the attendees in that classroom? I think a lot of it, they don't really connect with the fact that it's a hands-on process. A lot of it is a very hands-on process. And there's a very big importance on knowing your equipment, knowing your pouches, knowing your process as a whole. And so I think a lot of them, a lot of the questions were along that kind of line where they were trying to understand how that whole process looks like. 
And I think one of the things, of course, we always emphasize is it's kind of like we used to say in the 90s, garbage in, garbage out and computing. And it's sort of the same thing when we talk about machine maintenance. Cord Burnham and I have had this conversation on Spot Radio several times where we talk about the importance of maintenance. But you can't go through your validation and have a packaging machine where it's poorly maintained and expect for it to create good, solid seals. And I think that was a message that you were trying to convey. Yeah, that's exactly true. A lot of the folks who do the, you know, the processes that they're that they're learning about, you know, they sit behind a computer and they and they do the numbers and the crunching and the things like that, but they don't really understand how many times I've spoken to the engineers and I say, Hey, when was the last time did you do a maintenance on this? And they're like, We do that? What mm-hmm. what's that? What do you yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and it becomes, you know, problematic, obviously. And so it was really important, you know, and it was a it was a very cool experience to be able to kind of drive that home to this class of up and coming people to kind of head that off at the past. And hopefully we don't have those situations in the future because that's something that they're actively thinking about going into it, you know. I mean the package machine is sort of the base plate where everything is gonna happen in terms of the seal, seal value from that point on. Obviously, we have to aggregate the material sheets and information on the equipment or the patches that we're going to seal. But if we're working with a um, piece of machinery that's poorly maintained, then obviously we're just going to repeat that. And I think that was one of the things that I've noticed on samples that we've received into our 17025 ISO lab is where we'll see a wrinkle on a pouch, for instance. And then when we do the maintenance on it, what we'll see is the glass cloth is compromised. And so basically you've created a machine that's become a stamping mill. You're repeating that mistake hundreds, thousands of times. And now that critical device after sterilization is in distribution. And now there's a risk that that's going to come open because um, you didn't do a proper maintenance. And then post-maintenance, you aren't looking at your seals. So you've seen some crazy stuff come into our lab over the years. Maybe you can share some of the problems that you've had to deal with when trying to circle back to, and not, you know, to, not to beat up customers here or anything. I know we're all doing the best we can do. And we are in the position quite often where we have to gather everybody, quality, maintenance, facility, bring everybody together in a boardroom and get on the phone and say, hey, let us help you help yourself by giving you some of the intel that we gleaned over the year from the mistakes and problems that other customers have suffered. And maybe you can tell us some of those problems that you've seen firsthand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Notably, we get one machine that comes in fairly frequently and with consistency, actually, which is unfortunate. (laughs) This machine is just always filthy. You know, we see we see the name on the box and we're like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's always filthy. The heating element looks like you've run confetti through there. It's just stamped mm. up. You know, there's dings all over it. The chain and rollers are always just absolutely filthy. They're gunked up. They're pitted. You know, so like the consumable parts just absolutely destroyed. And it looks like it was road hard and put away wet. And mm. then you talk to them and, you know, we've talked to them several times about the importance of maintenance and things like that. And they have a high, I believe they have a high turnover rate. And, you know, I get a new technician on the line fairly frequently with them. And, you know, and I'm talking to these technicians and I'm like, Hey, did you do the, you know, maintenance? And they're like, Oh, we're supposed to do that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, and, you know, it's, it seems to be a consistent thing is they either don't care or they don't have time or they think that somebody else did it or, you know, like, there's no accountability. There's no ownership of that process, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, quality and facility don't speak enough. I think they, you've got to, what, what my biggest criticism over the years is that there's been some amazing validations that have been created. 
I mean, just this expansive design of experiment and these granular. I mean, we get questions like, what is the molecular structure of the base plate of our machine? And these just, you know, three inch thick, thick validations that they did for 11607. You think, my gosh, these are incredible. Only to turn it over to facility. And it's a different culture uh, in many cases. And then the diminution of that process begins. It starts to break apart, fall apart. So all that amazing work, all for naught. Because there was no dovetailing, no connectivity between facilities and quality. And so we see that a lot. We know that, well, as you say, we have certain customers. We always joke that we were going to get a medical ID bracelet or necklace around us and put the name of all these companies that we see that do this in our lab. So in case we're in a critical situation, they won't use their device on us because it's probably not sterile. Maybe it's a good idea. <laughs> it's been tough. And, I, you know, and it's hard to have those conversations because, you know, on the sort of social cultural side, when you talk to somebody, you know, you're kind of walking on eggshells when you want to say, hey, look, dude, if you don't take better care of this equipment, you're going to kill somebody. I mean, that may sound blunt and maybe some hyperbole, but frankly, no. I mean, that's really what we're looking at. If you're the sterile barrier is compromised and it's in distribution and it's going to a very sick person, take it from somebody who's had an HAI and almost died, then it's very, there's a problem. So we, you know, all we can do on the machine side is try to let others know the importance. And in a classroom such as this, where we're getting maybe people who are just coming into the industry to be able to hit that hard. And I know you and I both hit that maintenance thing pretty hard because we can't seem to tell the story enough and you keep seeing it happen over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, I believe that it is largely a communication you know, thing. And one of the things the students that we had spoke on several times actually was, you know, exactly that the importance of knowing their process from a hands-on standpoint, knowing on, knowing exactly what they're validating, what their material is, what their machines are doing, you know, because a lot of, times there is that disconnect where in their minds it's oh it's just a piece of you know metal parts doing a thing you know it's just a piece of equipment and they don't really make that connection to that piece of equipment is creating the sterile barrier that is preventing the HAI down the line and there's that really huge disconnect from the office desk where they're making these great qualifications and, the, and these validation processes and everything like that and then they lose it down the line and they're not talking to their facilities or they're not, a, you know, they're not actively a part of that. And that's, you know, it's become a problem. Yeah, and, you know, we try to do everything. And I think, and, and again, you know, look, this isn't just about a Vanderstahl scientific piece of equipment. This is anybody's packaging machine. So we're not, you know, here to sell our system better than anybody else's. Every single bit of equipment and medical packaging, the FDA doesn't care if you bought your machine from Acme or Vanderstall. It really doesn't make any difference. The expectation is that you have a PM in place. You follow that and you have evidentiary backup to prove that you have, in fact, cared for the machine. We get a lot of the machines that come into us and we're providing their entire annual PM. And uh, they're using it in very, very heavy use with very sometimes out of spec temperatures. And we're saying, hey, you know, we're we're doing your annual PM because you've asked us to do it. We're calibrating your equipment under our scope for our 11607. But in between seeing us, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You don't go to the dentist and say, hey, brush my teeth. You're supposed to be doing that in between visits, right? So I think that's where we're really suffering and not just us, other companies. I speak with other competitors that are telling me the same thing that we have seem and you know we we can talk all day long about you know it's hard to get employees now yada yada it doesn't make any difference in the eyes of the patient the fda iso 
everyone in this value chain, there is no excuses. You simply have to follow this process. You have to take care of them and uh, becomes more of a, you know, Six Sigma management system. If you're unable to provide good maintenance, it's because of a, a system that has a chink in it. So now we also do calibration in our lab, our 17025 lab. And we see a lot of machines that are coming in and we've even heard some of them say, well, don't do a PM because the cost is too much. For instance, just go ahead and calibrate the machine. But again, now we have a problem where they're wanting us to try to just calibrate a sealer packaging machine, but they don't want to do the maintenance on it. It just, it's absolutely shocking. And keep in mind, these are 1345 companies that are packaging a surgical device. Yeah, I actually just had an experience where there was a compromised, the tape and the heating element were compromised and the customer declined service that was recommended because of the visibly compromised pieces. So we are going to be sending it back, you know, with a very clear documentation that the service was declined, you know. So yeah, yeah, it is, you have to absolutely take ownership of your process because you are risking such important things. And I think that's, you know, it continues, you know, to happen. You it, it's just one of those um, problems, you know, where we hear a lot about budget. And believe me, we are very sort of awake when it comes to budget. I mean, we're a small laboratory, and so we can't buy the most amazing equipment in the world for our small lab, but we have to buy equipment that conforms to the process. So we, we can't get around that. We can't use that as sort of the mulligan and say, well, you know, we, we don't have much of a budget, so we can't maintain our equipment. But if that's the case, we either need investors or maybe consider another industry. But if you're going to be a medical device manufacturer and you're delivering your process, your device to the point of care, and that's your promise to the patient, it's your promise to the process, then um, you have to do that. You have to follow the 11607 directive and you have to make sure that uh, you're using equipment that's up for the task. Now, in calibration, I know that we've even had customers, now the recommendation from the from the manufacturer side of us says every year, and we have customers that are even saying, hey, can you push that out? Again, I don't mean to be beating up customers so much now. I'm just trying to help others who may start to fall into these uh, sort of thinking fallacies to kind of pick it up and, and not go down that road. But we have them asking us to extend those calibrations out because they don't want to go through a process of recalibrating the device. And that's always risky. Would you agree with that, Sarah? Oh, absolutely. One of the machines that we had in fairly recently, actually, they requested a 24-month cycle as opposed to a 12-month. And they're running so many pouches there that their machine was, you know, considerably beat up. You know, they definitely needed the maintenance. And they had actually gone too far between maintenances at that point. The machine, you know, the consumables were pretty thrashed. And, you know, we had recommended, hey, you need a more frequent service mm-hmm. as opposed to a more extended service. And so we see that a lot too. And we, but on the contrary, we also have customers that, that do take that proactive measure that they want, you know, every six months or every three months mm-hmm. because they know they're running so many cycles that they can warrant such a frequent, you know, PM. But we do more often than not have the ones that want to push them out and go for longer in between when they really shouldn't be. We've seen that, you know, often, and that's always tricky. We, one thing that we provide, and frankly, every manufacturer of this level of equipment should be providing it as well, is a boilerplate for maintenance. So as a manufacturer of packaging machinery, it's really sort of your duty to provide some guidance on when that device needs to be serviced and uh, calibrated. Don't just leave it up to the medical device manufacturers. You know, they got enough stuff on their plate. They're looking for guidance from you to go to change the oil in your brand new car 
The first thing that you better do is find out how often you're supposed to do it and what grade and weight oil. The same thing happens or applies here with the, this system. You want to make sure that the factory is saying, hey, every year is a good calibration cycle. Obviously, if output data is waning where you're getting weaker seals or you're getting burning on your material and you've done maintenance, there's something going on. Perhaps a device is somehow moved out of calibration, and then you should be verifying it. Frankly, between your annual calibrations, you should also be looking into that machine to make sure that there's been no sort of loss um, creep, if you like, on the uh, the temperature at the platen. And so a lot of times what we get is customers sending in their machines into our 17025 calibration laboratory. And we're doing the calibration and we only find out, you know, they're, there's something, sometimes they're 10 degrees out of calibration. So now the question is, is, you know, what do you, what do you do with that? If you're out of calibration now is your, you know, assuming you're doing peel testing throughout the year. So you have some other tertiary mechanism to say that even though the device was running, you know, slightly out of spec at a temperature, we still know that we were engendering solid seals. Here's our evidentiary backup per burst, the dye pen of 88 peel testing and so on. But it, it's so important that you, you know, capture that data. So in between the cycles, our lab, we recommend, and we even sell a test lead, and we recommend that you perform those tests often. And that's still our directive in our laboratory. Is that right, Sarah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We recommend that if you're not, like you said, you're not doing peel testing or something to verify that your pouch is sealing correctly, that you're doing something to verify the thermal output as well. That's something that, you know, we always um, worry about it there. If you're just sending it once a year. And again, that falls into a PM piece. So it's not just that calibration. I mean, it's, I think people are troubled sometimes placing that into a PM. But as part of your preventative maintenance is that you should be replacing these things. And you should also be checking the device to make sure that it's creating the temperature that you've validated the process through it. If you're not checking it, then how do you how do you know? And so... You know, hopefully these companies are doing peel testing. It's kind of the the new sort of steady tractor mechanism that most people are using is they're testing oftentimes throughout the day, certainly once a week, but most times at least once a day, just to make sure that there's been no creep in their process. Sometimes that's how they discovered that the machine wasn't running out of temperature, but it just takes a minute to take a probe and put it into the device. You know, there's simple I think in my lab, I use a simple handheld uh, Fluke series, 54 Series 2 data logger. It'll capture 400 data points and allows me to capture the, the thermal um, environment and then go toggle through and look at those through a waveform. And I can see the rise and the fall of the cycles on an impulse sealer. Or in the case of a static sealer, I can see what sort of uh, wobble there is in terms of the thermal performance. And that's so important that you understand that. Well, what are some of the um, other sort of bother points for you in our maintenance group there. I mean, you see everybody. And I mean, our, our machinery is in every major medical clean room in North America, 27 years of this, thousands of machines out in the marketplace. We have such a cross-section of startups to the world's giants. What sort of things do you see coming through there that uh, also kind of makes you take pause? A lot of the times it's the overall cleanliness of the machines. Like the table have burning marks on it or 
you know, things like that where the heating element wasn't necessarily dinged as in like something got sealed inside of it or, you know, whatever. A lot of times the parts are just really, really warm. I had recently, you know, silicone rubber where it was just literally falling apart. You know, it had come because it had been so overused. They just, they were doing the PMs, but they just weren't changing it. Mm -hmm. Or if they do the PMs, then the parts get put back on incorrectly. That's something that happens quite often, actually, where the order of the parts would be incorrect. Or let's see, one notable one somewhat recently where we had... They left the silicone rubber on. They hadn't changed it for the entire, you know, at least a couple of years. And they were just putting new tape on top of it. So there was like four layers of tape oh my on top of the silicone rubber. You know, they were questioning why, you know, their, their seals were not, you know, very solid. And, you know, it's because you're doing these things that are compromising the functionality, you know, of your unit. We get a lot of times, a lot of times it's the parts that are put on incorrectly. That seems to be a really huge issue. And and like I said, it's either, you know, they hire a tech in who's inexperienced or who wasn't taught the right way, or they have these outside companies come in who have no idea and they just kind of wait on a wing and a prayer, hope that they put it back together mm. the right way because they're not invested in it because, you know, they're just been hired to come in for a few minutes and do a thing and then they're out again. Right. You know, and so it's just, we, we see a lot of stuff like that. Unfortunately, a lot of the times we don't even see the machines until there's a problem. You know, these companies will take them, they'll do maybe sort of maintenance once in a while or, you know, whatever. And they just basically, they put them in the room, they ignore them until there's a problem. And then they go, well, why isn't my machine working? Mm, yeah. There's also good news. You know, I'm, I'm always the sort of liaison that comes in when there's a, uh, an audit, FDA ISO audit. And so I'm trying to help them by being, obviously I have to be very honest about what's going on here, but I'm, I'm trying to help them sort of bridge the problem that they've hit and help them thwart the next one. There's not much I can do without a, you know, a time machine to a lot of times. So the preventative piece is so important because you don't want to be at that difficult mahogany desk with the auditor at the other end only to find out that, hey, you know, you're, you're at a non-compliant path right now because you didn't maintain the equipment. And so you need to be. So the good news is, is we have exceptional customers on the other end. And I'm not saying our, these, a lot of times it's just confusion layers of people. I mean, come on, this is all kind of cookie cutter sort of corporate, you know, stuff where there's disconnects between departments. It happens. But the good companies are coming to us and saying, hey, look, we want to make sure that this equipment is going to be maintained correctly moving forward. How is your company going to help us? And this is any packaging company should be doing this. Well, how about this? We're going to give you, when you purchase the equipment, let's get on a Zoom meeting. Let's get quality facility Let's get everybody, everyone in that value change. Users, a lot of times they don't bring the users in. These are the the touch point to this equipment. Let's bring everyone in, right? So we get those people all at a single table and then we go, you know, completely apples to oranges through the whole process. Here's what you need to do. Everyone takes notes. Then from there, we push them onto videos. We have training videos, how to maintain the equipment, how to even do the calibration check or a full calibration. If you don't want to use our calibration lab, we have no problem with that. We'll even, uh, you can use our tech support lines to help them go through the process. And this is really what we need to do. It's what providers of machinery, whether it's packaging or any sort of processing equipment, really have to take that partnership role and help the customers. Otherwise, you're just as guilty as they are, right? I mean, we go out of our way. It's funny. Um, I know you and Cord, the, the lab manager, you guys together, 
you have that little square on the inspection report and you're like the kindergarten teacher that gets to write something and somebody's going to see it on the other end. Johnny was bad in class today and he didn't pay attention and you give him two stars or no, no two stars, two red marks, right? So that's, I mean, we've really come to the point where we've had to do, and I guess to that, we should probably reward the people who did good. We should start putting gold. Let's do that. Let's put gold stars on all of the um, paperwork where people did a good job. Let's do that. What do you think? That would be fantastic. I'm on board for that. <laughs> because, you know, you got to encourage people who are doing the right stuff and then, you know, sort of gently persuade the people who aren't doing the right stuff to do the right stuff or doing the wrong stuff to do the right stuff. And I think that's important. So what we do is we try to provide as much of the information that we can through in these instructional videos, through consultation. I mean, I'm part of the triad of customer tech support. So when you call Vanderstahl Scientific, it rings Sarah, Cord, and me, whoever doesn't have a screwdriver in their hand has to answer that phone call. And so we're not this company where you put in a ticket and three days later, someone talks to you. You're going to call. We'll talk to somebody straight away. This is starting to sound like a Vanderstahl commercial. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm saying this in general. We, I think it's so important that we connect with our customers Again, that sort of dovetailed way to where we really are in a partnership. And I know it sounds corny, but that's really what we need to do. And I know you guys have to give a lot of feedback back to the customers. I mean, how are they receiving the bad news from you? Honestly, a lot of them take it really well. We usually end up on a phone call with somebody say, hey, you know, we've noticed this and, you know, this is this has become a problem. Do we have your permission to fix this? You know, those kind of conversations are always really hard to have. But thankfully, most of the time they're very well received and the customers, you know, a lot of the times, like I said, they're just simply unaware. You know, there's they because of that disconnect and the lack of ownership. Because, you know, once it goes into the, you know, once it goes into the clean room, it's the operator's machine at that point until there's either a problem or it needs the maintenance or the annual calibration or whatever it is. And so a lot of times they don't even know that there was anything wrong because they, they're not out there, you know, handling, you know, which is why in that class, you know, we, we made such a huge point of own your process, own your product, know your process, know your product, be out there, get your hands dirty and see what it's actually doing check on it often, make sure that it's not a problem until it's a problem, you know? And so, I mean, like I said, most of them, they take it really well, but a lot of them just are completely clueless. They're Mm. just so disconnected from everything. They had no idea. Yeah. I know. Sometimes, you know, you got to tell mom and dad, you know what I mean? It's like, we, (laughs) it's, I mean, we'll get things where they're so promised. Like, you know, I think we should probably speak to somebody in your quality department. And I think sometimes, you know, my experience, we talked to them, they, they had no idea. Because, you know, they, their plates full, their inboxes like mine and yours, you know, we're all busy, but it's so important. I think you made a great point to where a lot of people, particularly sitting in this class, these aren't the people who are going to actually be on the floor working on the machines. Maybe they're the ones that are going to be overseeing the process. I think the people in that course were, you know, d- degreed engineers that were, that are looking into more of the higher sort of layer of uh, management. And so they're not going to be the ones that are in there, but I guess it'd be so great to be able to have that discussion and have a classroom every time a piece of equipment gets sold in the market, ours or anyone else's where you can, let's, you know, get together, let's do an orientation. Those are so important, but gosh, you know, we see so many siloed pieces, so much disconnect between quality and the people who've got their wrench on machines. It's very different. Now you and I, I mean, we speak just about daily 
And um, we're always connected or if there's a problem, you know, we always talk and I think we have a pretty good, you know, communication going there. And I think we've learned over time that we all, everybody that's part of the, the value chain needs to be connected. So I don't think we have that, that sort of problem. And that's by design. So it's so important that, you know, we connected. It was great that you were able to do it. I don't know how I got on this big tantrum here. I, I don't know where I was going with this whole thing, but <laughs> some, somehow it turned into a darn you customers. I didn't mean it to go there, but you know, really, I think because we're just consent, we just see so much of it lately and uh, you know, getting a 43 or getting, you know, some sort of a, a warning letter because you're not maintaining your equipment. I mean, gosh, you know, that's the more the low hanging fruit sort of stuff. Really it's, it's the easier part of what you do. And remember, this is a tertiary part of your process. This is the last thing that happens before these devices go into a chipboard box, hop into a brown truck, and um, make their way to uh, the point of care. So it's so important that we don't lose all of the work that we've done. I've been quoted on our website and said it a million times that a medical device that loses its sterility is poisonous. And I use that term poisonous. It's dramatic, yes, but it is in fact poisonous. Uh, Again, coming from a guy that got an HAI, I can tell you that. So it's so important that that sterile barrier stays connected. And I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to go up there. And as I said, I had to kind of ditch earlier. I had another meeting, so I had to be on the expo floor. So I only saw through pictures that were taken that uh, you had the opportunity to get up there and show the whole whole equipment. Any sort of closing words about your experience doing that today? And it was uh, the first time you really had the opportunity to do it. And I, I know that you really had a ball doing it. Oh, man, it was honestly one of the coolest experiences to date that I've had. And I've done a lot of cool stuff. I'm going <laughs> to preface awesome. that. I've done a lot of really cool things, but that was actually one of the coolest experiences. And, you know, honestly, coming into this industry, I didn't, you know, like, like most people, you know, I can honestly say, I didn't even realize that this industry was a thing. Like I didn't know it existed. Mm. I didn't know a lot about it. And then I hired into it. And, you know, and since then it's become, you know, a passion project of mine, to, you know, help with the awareness of the importance of sterility and, and kind of championing the need for preventative maintenance and knowing your process is kind of a, you know, that's kind of my passion project because I see it every single day. And so to be able to kind of interact with these people, and I'm actually, I'm in the process of pursuing that same certification that this class was pursuing, yeah. which is actually kind of even cooler mm-hmm. in some respects, but to, you know, to see all these people and they're, like you said, they're not going to be the ones on the floor with these machines. You know, they're not going to be the ones that are operating these nine times out of 10. And so to be able to kind of make that connection personal between the equipment and then the ultimate, you know, person that's making probably the policies or the qualifications or anything along those lines and impressing upon them the importance of knowing their process and knowing their projects and knowing their equipment, that was really something that was very unique and very special to be able to be a part of. And then, you know, and I also got to sit in and listen to some other of the speakers. And it was just, it was such a cool experience to be able to, you know, to just impress upon the, the importance. And I got thanked so many times after the fact. So many people came up and said, thank you for putting it in that way, because that's not something that we had thought about. Mm. That's something that we hadn't even considered. So thank you so much. You know, we had a, like an after party, you know, after the fact. And I had a lot of people that I hadn't met in the class that came up to me and, you know, same thing. Thank you so much for putting it in a way that we could understand that allowed us to kind of think about it from a secondary point of view. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was very, it was a very cool experience. I was very happy to be a part of it. Well, I got nothing but amazing feedback on the work that you did there. And I appreciate it. You're, 
You're an amazing tech down there and everything else. I know you have about 50 hats that you wear in our 17025 <laughs> lab. You're doing, you're doing empirical studies on pouches. You're working on machines and uh, you just do an incredible job. And we, we couldn't do it without you. Well, I love every minute of it. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> cool. Good to hear. Well, thanks, Sarah, for hanging out with me and chatting about this. I'm going to get you back on the podcast again and put you on. I mean, literally, I, I called you up in the lab and what'd you have? Two minutes? I didn't even hang up the phone. Two minutes to get on the phone. So thanks for being quick deploy like that. And uh, this, I didn't even tell you we were going to do this. So I appreciate you you jumping on and, and doing a terrific job of the podcast today. Thanks so much for all you do. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Like I said, it was an honor to be a part of that class. Hopefully I get to do it again soon. It was an honor to meet all those people. And, you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited for where things are headed. And, you know, to be able to connect with those guys on that level is very, very cool. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Sarah. Well, again, I've been speaking with Sarah Deputy. She is our star technician at Vanderstahl Scientific. She's always at her workstation, wrenching away on medical device, packaging equipment, doing precision pressure adjustments. She's always got a meter in her hands. And her hands, by the way, are always stained blue from doing the AST of 1929 study. We call her a Smurf around here. She's an amazing person and she did such a great job on that course. It was so great having her support. Well, listen, everyone, thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Charlie Webb. You've been listening to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. We'll catch you next time on Spot Radio. This podcast is made possible by Vanderstahl Scientific. Executive producer, Lisa Wasper. Director of Media Service, Hector Garcia. Audio engineering and editing by Joel and our friends at East Coast Studios. And this is Jonathan Lockwood saying thanks for your support, medical device manufacturers. See you next time on Spot Radio. Spot Radio.